Uh, If you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 12. Uh, We'll kind of be starting there. But it's been, um, I believe, about 13 years since I graduated from high school. But I remember um, when I was preparing to graduate from high school, about this time of year, uh, that's when people's anxiety um, and worry would start to grow within a lot of them. Because it was this this worry, this anxiety about having to make a major life decision kind of for the first time on your own without a lot of input from your parents about what you were going to do with your life. And so your your parents, uh, maybe your teachers would be stressing the importance of this decision. What are you going to do after you graduate? Um, And so you're wondering, do, do I go right into the workforce? Do I learn a trade and do that with my life? Do I go to university or college and get a degree? Essentially, the question we had to ask at that time is, what do I want to do with my life? And so it kind of felt like your entire future was riding on that, that decision. Now, we know it's, it's not true that you can go back and make changes in your career and life afterwards, but it, it felt like there was a lot of pressure on that decision. I mean, you would wonder, what happens if I make the wrong decision? Um, if I make the wrong decision, is it going to affect m- me for the rest of my life? Will I, will I blow my chances at something better? And I remember this stressed a lot of people out. One of the guys I, I was graduating um, high school with, he wanted to do something with his life, but he just couldn't decide what it was. And so we kind of put that decision off um, for years. And so the reason I say this is I think there's kind of this, a similar uh, fear, hesitancy when it comes to um, the will of God for our lives and having to make decisions. Uh, we're told by Jesus in the Lord's, pray, or Lord's Prayer to pray, your will be done. Um, maybe somebody has said to you, God has plans for your life. Or somebody will say, um, the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. And I, I think... I think a lot of us like this idea that God has a plan for our life, but, but here's the question. If God has a plan for my life, what is that plan? Um, why hasn't he told me? How am I supposed to know what God wants me to do with my life? Now, if, if you are a disciple, I, I think you want to do God's will for your life. You've trusted him with your salvation, and so you're going, I think I can trust him with my life. But the question is, how am I supposed to know God's plans, God's will for me? Because it's not like God gives you um, a life plan on day one of being a Christian or something like that. I I haven't received any um, correspondence, any emails where God is telling me, this is what you're to do this week. Here are the specifics, the places you're to to be, the people you're to interact with. And so I think a lot of us, um, we want our lives to be in harmony with God's will because we we believe that's that's good. It it will be good. But we often believe that being in line with God's will, it, it hinges on us making one or two major decisions that will set us on the right trajectory to to get us where God wants us. Maybe you've prayed for God to open up your eyes and the plan that he has for you, and and you kind of believe that if I search hard enough, if I search long enough, I'm I'm just going to stumble across it one day. Maybe you're hoping that God's going to provide you with a clear vision of what you are to be doing and a plan to get there, kind of like a map of what you're to do. And so I think there's an anxiety or confusion um, when it comes to knowing God's will for our lives. 
when it comes time, especially to make those major life decisions. And so we might fear that if we make the wrong decision, if we blow a special moment or, or, or certain moments in our lives that will be removed from God's plan for our life. And so this morning, I just want to spend some time um, talking about God's will to try and understand it, how to discern it, and maybe free you from um, certain anxieties or worries that might surround it. And so as I said, we're starting in Romans chapter 12. um, And the Apostle Paul, he starts in verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Paul begins this section with the word therefore, which means he's um, continuing the thought or he's drawing a conclusion from what he has just said. Now in a real quick snapshot, Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul is essentially talking about the salvation, the grace, that forgiveness that comes through uh, Jesus Christ. And he's saying, in light of everything that God has done for us, our lives need to, our our worship, it needs to go beyond a certain place, it needs to go beyond certain um, times of the week, but it is how we live our entire lives, everywhere we go, at all times, Sunday through Saturday. And so Paul knew that um, if our lives were going to be lived as acts of worship to God, we are, we are going to look and we are going to live differently than the rest of the world. And I mean, that is, that is true today. You see that there's a growing divide between a disciple of Jesus and, and the typical person in our culture. And the reason is, is that our values and our beliefs are starting to butt heads more and more. And so in order for us to better glorify God, though, Paul says we need him to transform us. We need to be sanctified. And so when that happens, um, we'll have a renewed mind that he'll change the way we think. And this is what I want us to notice. Paul is saying that once our thinking is changed, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will for us is. And so do you see what Paul is saying? That only once God has changed me can I discern what his will is. In order for God um, to do God's will, I need him to change the way I think. I, I can't know God's will until I know God, and I can't know God until I've been forgiven, that I've had that forgiveness that comes through Christ. And so I want to stop here and make a very important point um, about God's will for our lives. If you're going, I really want to accomplish God's will for my life, but you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you kind of got it easy right now. Um, you don't have to spend a ton of time going, what does God want for my life? Because it's, it's pretty clear. At this point, God wants you to be saved from your sin. Regardless of what's going on in your life right now, whatever um, big challenges or seasons you're in, if you have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, God's main will for you at this point is that you would be saved. That is his biggest concern. And you being here today, um, God bringing you back time and time again, that might be God's way of revealing this to you. And so... Uh, if you're wondering what that means, what that looks like, how you do it, uh, please talk to me or Greg after the service. We'd love to talk to you more about that. But if you're a Christian, you might be going, okay, I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I've done that. Um, I, want to, I want to accomplish God's will for my life. So how do I know what that is? How do I do it? 
And so the first thing we need to look at is what God's ultimate will is. What does God want more than anything? At the end of the day, what is God most concerned about? Because God's specific will for your life is going to fall under uh, his general will. And so if you've read scripture, um, God's will is, is absolutely clear from Genesis through Revelation. From the beginning to the end, God wants to be worshipped. Which means God wants all people to hear, receive, embrace, and respond to his grace that comes only through the gospel. And so everything God has done, everything he's doing, everything that he will do is for the sake of his glory. God's ultimate will is to be worshipped by his creation. That is what God wants most. Now, you might hear that and you might go, doesn't that make God self-centered? Doesn't that make God um, egotistical? And I can understand that reasoning where he's demanding that we worship him. You might say it makes God sound insecure. And this, that's a huge discussion, but I'm, I just want to make a few points here. Um, I would argue that God's desire and his demand to be worshiped is actually for our good. Think about it this way. Um, I could, I've got a six-year-old son, uh, Seth, and I could say, hey, Seth, you can cheer for whatever hockey team you want. Um, you can cheer for the Montreal Canadiens if you want. But I don't do that because that would be abusive. That, that just wouldn't be loving. Um, I love my son, so I'm like, you should cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This, this is right. This is good. It pleases the Lord. I don't say that. Um, but, but we direct them to certain things. The, the way we, we get them to eat, set up their schedules, we try and do what is best for them. Now, for God to allow us to worship anything else, for God to say, you can, you can worship that, you can devote your life to that person, to that thing, as a thing that you, you pursue the most, that you make the most important, that would actually be cruel of God because God would be allowing you to settle for something that is less than the best. God, by definition, is the greatest. Why would God allow someone he loves to settle for something less than the best? And so God's primary will is to be glorified. And so his will for your life will result in his glory. And so his plans for your life ultimately result in, in his glory, but your good. Now, if you look in scripture, you'll find two wills of God. There's the will of decree. And God is sovereign, and these are the things that he decrees that will come to pass without fail. And so God promises these things, and so we know that these things will happen. And some of these um, things that God wills, the things that he decrees, we could say would be um, that a savior would come, that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, that sin will be punished, death will be conquered, there will be judgment, some will go to heaven, some will go to hell based on their decision. And God promises that these things will happen, and so they're absolutes. Um, we know they will happen. But the second will of God is the will of command, and this is God's moral will in which God declares things he wants to happen, but sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. These are things where God will command us, love your neighbor, um, do not murder, do not steal. Included in this would be God's will for every person to be saved. And so God's will is clear on these things, but this, this doesn't happen all the time because there is choice in the matter. Um, we can choose whether or not we adhere to God's will in that area. Now Jesus would say your obedience to those commands shows your love for God. 
So in Romans chapter 12, we're going, what will of God is he talking about? And it's, it's the will of command. Um, we have choice in the matter, is what we're saying. So Paul is saying, we need to start renewing our minds so that we can discern what should happen through our lives. We, we need a new mind so that we know the things that God wants us to do with our life, but will not force us to do. And so knowing God's will for our lives requires a renewed mind. And so you're going, okay, simple, but how do we do that? Well, the first place we will start, and it's always a good place to start, is God's word, the Bible, scripture. If you want to discern the will of God for your life, get into his word, because as you read page after page, you're, you're easily able to discern um, the moral will of God. What does God approve of? What does God uh, delight in? What does God hate? What is God saying is good, pleasing, and perfect? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 Paul would say this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for, for every good work. And so Paul is saying God gave us this, and it is for a purpose. It tells us what God wants. It tells us what God um, desires from our lives. That is a gift to discover the will of God through that. And so it discern, helps us discern the things we should be doing. Now, there are clear instructions on, in Scripture on some of these things. Um, God says, don't murder, don't, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. And, and so some things are easy to discern the will of God. If somebody comes and says, you know what, I really feel like I should leave my spouse and kids and be with this person instead, what do you think? What, does God approve of that? And we can look at Scripture and go, no, God um, has a clear opinion on that type of behavior. He hates it. He does not approve of that. Now, somebody might say, okay, this person did some horrible things to me, but I feel like God is leading me to forgive them. What do you think? Yes, God, God wants us to forgive others. God commands us to forgive. And so these are the easy things to discern, the ones where there are clear instructions given in Scripture about what we're to do. But there are situations in life where they're, they're not specifically covered uh, in the Bible. Another way of saying it is we have decisions to make in life where the scripture does not tell us what we're to do. Uh, the Bible does not tell you if or who you are to marry, what car to drive, whether you're to own or rent, where you're to vacation, what toothpaste you're to use. Um, there, there are choices that you're going to have to make in life that the Bible does not give clear, explicit instructions about what God wants you to do. And so these are, the, these are the things where I think we, we struggle with the most when we're seeking to do God's will for our lives. How do, how do I know what job to take? How do I know what community to live in? Uh, who do I know who to spend my life with? What, what car I should be driving? And I think these are the ones that can create the most anxiety and worry because we're going, if I make the wrong choice, will this remove me from God's will for my life? I think that's where the anxiety and the worry comes. And so even though God's word does not give clear, explicit instructions on every situation you're going to encounter, God does not leave you hanging. Um, God provides us with someone to help guide us through those decisions. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so the Spirit is a gift to Christians from God. Um, and so the Holy Spirit living within us causes us to desire what God desires. The Spirit within me should change the way I think and thus the way I live. And so I need the Spirit to be more loving, more joyful, more patient, more kind, more good, more self-controlled. And so if you are a disciple, you should be regularly asking God to um, increasingly fill you with his Spirit, but also make you sensitive to his leading um, as you make those decisions. And so as we're transformed um, through God's word with his spirit in us, our relationship with God grows and and our character changes and we better understand God's character. We'll be in the right place to hear and discern what God wants for our lives in those situations where scripture does not have clear, um, explicit instructions. And so here's the thing. You can only know what a person wants. You can only discern what a person wants if you know the person. Uh, Shannon and I have been dating and married. I think we've been together for about 11 or 12 years. I'm probably going to get corrected on that. Um, We've been together for quite a while. I'll just say that. And uh, there's no book that tells me what Shannon wants specifically. Like I can't like go, uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. What does Shannon want? Like there's nothing that will tell me that. But as as Valentine's rolls up, um, I just know Shannon does not want me showing up with a dozen roses, a box of chocolates, and a card. That's, that's not what she wants. She wants the card, but she mostly just wants to spend time together. Um, she doesn't like the, the chocolate or the roses, really. Um, and she wants us to order Chinese food, probably, and just spend some time together um, doing that. That's kind of what we do. Throw in some sour jube jubes, and she's really happy. Um, but that's just what I've learned spending time together over um, as, as we've been together. Now, kind of transfer that analogy to our relationship with God. Say we're coming up to have to make a major life decision. And we're, well, even just regular decisions, you're going, I need a car. Or I I want to get a new house. And maybe your budget allows you to get something that's nice, big, fancy, elaborate, top of the line. But when you're going to make that decision, your resources doesn't automatically dictate what you do. Um, you, You need to look at it and go, why do I want to make this purchase? Maybe you're looking at a car and you're tempted to go at the top of your budget, but you realize, no, I'm, I'm just trying to impress certain people. And you go, pride is not something God ever like, gives a thumbs up to and goes like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Or maybe, yeah, you can afford a nice big house, but is that necessarily what God wants? Um, Maybe God wants you to live below your means so that you can be more generous with people in your life, so that you can um, give and support to kingdom growth efforts around the world. And so there are certain decisions we have to look like at that or look at what God would want in those decisions. Now, you might wonder, how do we know those things to say yes to and those things to say no to in order to arrive exactly where God wants us? Um, How do we know what opportunities to pursue and those things to let go? And so I just want to look at a a few things that might be helpful. Um, Go to Acts chapter 16. And I I believe that God opens and closes opportunities in our lives based on his will for us. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, 
uh, Luke says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Little tip, I've shared this before. If you're not sure of the pronunciation, just sound confident and people are like, ah, he knows what he's talking about. Um, But but the point I'm trying to bring out is Luke is saying it's the Spirit of of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that is not allowing them to go to these places. And, and sometimes we make up our minds to do something with our lives. We don't really consult God in the we're just like, I'm going for it. And I believe God will shut down those opportunities because it's not in line with what God wants us to do. He'll close those doors. And we get frustrated in those opportunities. Like, I keep trying to do this, but just hit roadblock after roadblock. Why me? Maybe we need to look at those roadblocks and those troubles and go, maybe this isn't what God wants me to do with my life. Maybe he's, he's showing me there's something else he has in mind. I want us to look at John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. And here Jesus says this, um, or for, sorry, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And so Jesus is saying, some of the rules that the the spirit does is is he's a counselor, he's a helper. So God through the spirit is counseling you, he is helping you in your life. But here's the thing, I think we often just ignore the counsel. We ignore the help at times. Um, Maybe you get these ideas that, that pop up into your head and, and they just seem random, they seem sporadic, but maybe it's something where it's a thought that's like, you know what, you need to check on this person. You, you need to encourage him. You should bless this person in this way. You should pray this for uh, this person. You should call him and see if he needs anything. You should just, just drive by. And thoughts like that. Um, and, and we hear them, they come into our minds, we go, oh, that's crazy, that was random. I'm just gonna dismiss that. I'll just ignore it. But maybe that's the spirit trying to guide you into God's will. Um, what opportunities are missed because when those, those thoughts, leadings, you could say, pop up, we just dismiss them and say, that, that's, that was weird. Um, could God be leading you into something through those things? Um, Another way you might see this is sometimes resources, um, timing, abilities are all there to, to do something. And you're going, okay, it makes sense, we'll go for it. And sometimes that's God's way of showing, no, this is what I want you to do. I provided, go for it. But other times they're all there. But within you, there's this restlessness, there's um, this discomfort. I'll put it this way. There is a peace, or no peace about what you're going to do. And it goes beyond nerves. And I believe God will counsel us even in those situations and he'll, even just through those things, he's saying, this is not my will for you. Um, When I was graduating high school, I wasn't one of those people going, what am I going to do with my life? I had my mind made up. I was going to graduate. I was going to get an undergrad in chemistry. I was going to become a pharmacist. I had my life mapped out. I wasn't really wondering about what I was going to do. Um, 
but as, as that first semester of university got closer, I just had this growing restlessness within me. Um, I didn't have peace about what I was doing. I tried to ignore that and just push through. At the same time, there were a number of people coming and just saying, you know what, you need to do a year of Bible college. And I was just going, I'm not going to waste a year of my life. I've got plans. I've got to move forward. Uh, But again, I didn't have peace about the decision I had made. And so finally, through prayer um, and just seeking God in that, I, I said, okay, I'll put my plans on hold for a year, God. I'll do this. And when I made that decision, I will just say there was this peace in that decision that I had not experienced before in many ways. Um, And I I mean, through time, God eventually led me. I'm not a pharmacist. I'm I'm here. Um, But there wasn't something that said, James, you are going to go into ministry. There, There was never a clear thing written there for me. Now, I want to say this, and this is important, um, because I I know when we're talking about the spirits leading, some of you are like uh, getting a little nervous about it. I need to condition it this way. When the Spirit leads you, when he helps, when he guides, when he counsels, he will lead you into things that line up with Scripture. Um, He will not lead you into anything that does not line up with Scripture, and whatever it is will always result in God being glorified. Um, If they don't, you might be being led, but that is not the Spirit. Um, I just want to put that out there. Now, some of you are still wondering, is there a way to find out exactly what God wants for me, exactly what he wants me to do? No, there isn't. Um, We don't get to find out God's will for our future. God does not tell us, except for a very few uh, select people in Scripture who God told them, this is my will for you, this is my plans for you. We don't get to find out God's will for us um, in advance. We, We know how it ends, heaven or hell, but he doesn't tell us necessarily what the journey will look like. We don't get to know our exact future. And so this might be disappointing news. I, I, like you might have saw the title and going, ah, I'm going to figure out finally to know how, what God wants exactly for me. But, but this is actually freeing. This is good news. You're free from the burden of having to try to discover God's will for your life ahead of time. Um, God's will for your life is not something that you need to know in advance in order to arrive where God wants you. God, God has plans for your life, but he does not expect you to know the future before you get there. And to be honest, I don't think we could handle knowing God's plans for our lives. I, I think we'd be overwhelmed by it, we'd be terrified by it, and we'd probably try and run away from them because it would just be too much for us all at once. And so the idea of finding God's will for your life has a lot of people searching for something that God does not intend to reveal. And so instead, throughout your life, with this ever-renewing mind, God's will for you is that you would trust him in all the twists and the turns that come. And so what am I saying? God's will for your life is not intended to be found out in advance. It's intended to be followed along the way. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so God's past, his present, his future plans for you, they, they have um, one constant. It's his glory and your ultimate good. 
And so get rid of this idea that you, you need to know the future before you get there, but instead um, focus on God transforming you into the image of Christ along the journey. Because if God is transforming your mind to desire what he desires, you're going to make decisions with his glory in mind, and you can trust that those decisions are lining up with his plan. When you're coming to make those choices, make them with, with Bible in hand, um, praying that his will would be done and, and listening for his spirit's wisdom in your life. And the car you drive, the career you pursue, the place you live, the, pe- the people you have in your life, they're all going to look different. But the, the thing we all need to be asking is, will this decision glorify God? If it will, go for it. If it won't, don't do it. And if you know that your choices have not been in line with God's will, if you go, there's sin in my life, what we do is we repent and we seek to glorify God in our future choices. And so please understand God's, God's main concern for your life is not that you get from point A to point B along the quickest, smoothest route, but instead that you would know him and glorify him with your life regardless of what your life does look like. The will of God is not a, a road map waiting to be found. It's, it's a relationship that you experience with him daily. We look at some people and we go, man, they accomplished some big things for God. So, uh, Billy Graham passed away this past week, and a, a lot of people are probably going, man, God used him. I, I wonder what one or two major specific decisions he made that brought him to that point. And we often think that's what it is. But I imagine a lot of these people, they will tell you it wasn't one or two major decisions. They would say it was denying themselves, picking up their cross daily, and following Jesus in every decision they had to make. That guy that I told you about that couldn't decide what to do after high school, um, he, he, he couldn't decide. Um, he, he didn't know what the right choice was. And to my knowledge, even for a number of years later, he still wasn't really doing anything. He was just kind of working random odd jobs, trying to decide what he was supposed to do with his life. And as Christians, we can get so distracted wondering what God's um, specific mission is for our lives that we fail to really do anything um, that God has clearly revealed. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus gives us our command. Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So if at the end of your life you have dedicated your life to that, that was a life well lived. The question we really need to ask is, will my life have shown that Jesus Christ was infinitely valuable? And so don't, Don't miss the primary mission wondering what your personal mission might be. We don't find God's will out for our lives in advance. We walk in it. It's not intended to be found. It's intended to be followed.